Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Strange how the night moves With autumn closing in Moves. Mm. 
everybody. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 165. I'm here with the co-founder of the Helping Friendly Podcast, Brad Tembrook. Hi, Brad. Hi, RJ. How are you? Good. It's good to be back. We're on a little bit of a streak of you and me doing podcasts together again, which is nice. Two in a row. Two in a row. We the, That's like basically the longest streak in history of anything. Um, so this episode, we're going to run through some fall 2009 stuff and uh, talk about some shows and some clips and, uh, you know, get people psyched for these shows coming up in a couple of weeks. Right, Brad? Yeah. Thanksgiving, holidays, all these things are coming up and we thought it'd be fun to dive back. Not too far back. We, uh, I was in a conversation with someone the other day on the internet about this show and how we used to do full sets and we used to do full shows. Back when we started, Brad and I would have like three and a half hour podcast where like we would we would play full sets and then we would give some commentary. Um, we've done more recently like what we're doing today, which is like run through some stuff, play some clips and kind of integrate the music as we go. But if you feel strongly about either of these formats, let us know because if you've been like, you know, waiting for us to keep playing full sets, we can we can tell you why we decided not to do that, but but we don't want to disappoint our listeners. So tell us what you like about you know that versus what we're doing now or or both because we want to hear from you so tweet at us or send us emails you can email us at helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com and brad will personally personally answer those and <laughs> say things to you um all right all right before we get into the show we're going to tell you about a few osiris happenings the first is a podcast called let creativity flow sponsored by splice it's a three-episode series exploring the evolution of music and technology through the eyes of artists, music industry professionals, entrepreneurs, and journalists. It's a new, it's a new show. We interviewed uh, John Barber and Aaron Magner of The Biscuits, Steve Martosi of Splice, Andy Weissman of Union Square Ventures, and lots of others. This podcast is hosted and narrated by Amar Sastry, creator of the Anatomy of a Jam series, which you all know and love. So check out osirispod.com slash creativity to check out this show. It's just a three-episode three series. Um, it's out now, so I will include a link to that in the show notes. Brad, have you had a chance to listen to After Midnight Episode 1? Of course I have. It was incredible. What did you think about so it? so good. I texted you immediately upon the, the credits at the end. Um, I thought it's... It was great. Such good story. To, you know, in the start of them, really well produced as well. I must say, Matt, who um, really helped the Helping Friendly podcast step up its yeah, game, man. has um, totally shown his true talents. Right? Oh man, he is he is like taking his talents to a new level. He's going to take his talents to South Beach next. <laughs> but he, it's it's awesome. We're getting tons of feedback. I got an awesome phone call from my friend who is not a fish fan and said that he enjoyed the podcast so much even as not a fish fan and i think that the production value as brad was saying the storytelling the stuff we're doing is indicative of the kind of stuff we're going to keep doing with osiris so hopefully everyone who's listening to this has already listened to episode one of after midnight after midnight episode two will come out uh this thursday the 21st so we will include a link to listen and subscribe if you don't have that Amar uh, did. Okay. Let me say some one more thing yes. that I left out. Amar did some of the tunes or music on After Midnight, and yep. his um, he's a huge contributor to Osiris. He's awesome. Um, he's so good. One of the best things he's he does is his Instagram page, <laughs> which I love. You know, with like with the fish tunes, and he plays them on his acoustic. Oh, and it's so exciting. He, yeah. He shares those on Twitter too, and he gets thousands and thousands of views because people love his perspective. And I, I will say that all of those. Uh, tunes that are in After Midnight were created using Splice. So look at that. So, all right, Brad, 
two, I know you're not going to be around New York in December, but for those people who are, on December 6th, we're going to have this first event of a series called Jam Just Happened with Scott Metzger, Aaron Magner, Adam Chase, Jay White, and they are going to jam for a couple hours, and it'll be all improv, and we will be there. Osiris people will be there. Tom's going to introduce them and say a few words, and that'll be fun. There are tickets on sale. It's at New Blue, and if you're not coming, but if you're in town on December 6th, the people who are are in and around New York City and not going to Charleston to see fish, right? So this is like a, it's kind of a fish alternative party, but it's for people who weren't, you know, going to go anyway, because this is going to be awesome, but people who are going to Charleston probably aren't canceling their plans, but maybe they should. Uh, pretty sweet well maybe would you? they could do both do both yeah <laughs> you, could <do> both. <laughs> you could easily you could pretty easily do both yeah okay so so the last thing december 30th keep this on your radar again new york city december 30th always a great show for fish and and we're gonna actually keep the jams going after the show on december 30th at le poisson rouge for Electric in the Village, presented by Osiris Media with Riley Walker, Chris Forsyth, and Garcia Peoples. So each of these three artists have had amazing records this year and, and performed residencies throughout New York City. They're all like indicative of this future of kind of the overlap of jam and, and psychedelic rock, and they're all amazing. And I saw um, Chris Forsyth and Garcia Peoples in September in New York at, at New Blue, and it was awesome. And they're, these three... These three artists are teaming up for a show on December 30th after show 10 minute ride downtown on the A-line. It's going to go deep into the night and and kind of expand this collective, you know, sound that these three groups are creating. So Osiris is really proud to be presenting this and and you'll hear more about that, but you can get tickets now at lpr.com, $15 in advance, $20 day of show. $1 for each ticket purchase will be donated to the Waterwheel Foundation. Do you know the Waterwheel Foundation, Brad? I've heard of it. Some of the Osiris team will be there. Um, come hang out and, uh, we actually are going to, I think we're going to announce a new podcast at that after show. Oh man. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. So check the show notes if you're, if you're just overwhelmed by all the amazing stuff and you don't know where to click because you can click on everything. Okay. So Brad, we're going to go back into the archives. We're going to go back to the fall of 2009 (laughs) as we, as we, as we used to say back then, right? Yes. Yes. As the boomers would say. Yeah, um, that was it. Was kind of crazy because that was, although of course that was Fish's first year back from from hiatus. But they had played so many shows between, you know, March at Hampton, which we were at, and then tons of summer shows. So by the time it got to fall, I think they were still kind of figuring it out. But these shows, now that I was listening back, to me they felt like even more developed than maybe I give it. I feel like two thousand nine doesn't get a ton of credit, um, even the fall. What, do you, what did you? What did you think going into like listening back to a bunch of these shows? We don't give it enough credence, right? Don't pay it enough attention. Uh, and they're, they were really good um, shows, uh, way better than I remember. I mean, we all remember a jam or two specifically. We'll, we'll talk about the one I think that everybody knows. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Did, you, um, did you go to any shows besides Hampton that year? No. They didn't. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's funny because they played some of our old stomping grounds – uh, but I was out here in the in Phoenix at this at this point. It's been yeah. a couple of years, so like I didn't get to go to the Cincinnati shows, which I would have. The Detroit, you know, those um, that I would have done before I moved out. So um, yeah. I, yeah, I missed them all. You missed them. noob. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of the story of your fish life. Yeah, <laughs> missed yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah, except for the cool ones you get to see in California. 
which is which is cool. Yep. Yep, 3.0. So, 3.0. 3.0 life. So they finished uh, Festival 8 on the 1st of November, 2009. And the first show thereafter was the Detroit show on, on 11.18. So that's why we started there. And then um, they play MSG. They start, you know, they play three nights in a row, actually, at, at Madison, at the Garden, um, on December 2nd. Uh, but we cut those shows off and just stuck to this little 11, 12-day run uh, that was only in November, culminating in you know the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Let's start with the Detroit show, Wednesday night, November 18th, Kobo Arena, Detroit. Have you been to Kobo Arena? I don't think I ever have. I have. I have. I don't think it's there anymore. They, they, they now have um, like a Little Caesars Arena or something. Um, okay. That they, it's a new arena downtown uh, that the Wings and the Pistons play uh, at. But, cool. Um, yeah, old, was old this school. like a big place or small? No, it wasn't too big. Uh, maybe eight thousand. You know, downtown. Yeah, um, old school. I bet Seegers played there a bunch, for sure. <laughs> He's been. I'm sure that he was working on the night moves at that place at some point or another. Brad, what did you think of this this show? It's it's got a three point four rating on Fish.net. I feel like a lot of these shows, kind of mid November of of '09, don't really get revisited a lot. Yeah. Did you Did you have any thoughts on this show? Uh, no, I I thought it was. Um, to me, it was very familiar to what I thought of of '09, which is a lot of songs, um, pretty standard, like a, a ACDC opener first set, Runaway Jim opener second set, uh, into you know, then they followed that with a, a disease. So uh, close the first set with Bowie, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of a very familiar, kind of reminded me a little bit of Hampton, where they're going through a lot of the songs. Um, nothing was too deep. Um, but yeah. that not to say they weren't starting to, you, you could start to hear some jams, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. And this was, you know, kind of a warm up show. The first show coming off of the Halloween, which clearly, I mean, the, the, it's interesting with Halloween because in, in later years, like wingsuit and thrilling chilling and cast Vox, when they're playing their own music and creating new music around a Halloween, I think you get a lot more forward movement in terms of improv whereas like you know prepping to cover exile on main street which is one of my favorite albums of all time that probably didn't like yield a lot of musical like forward musical momentum if that makes sense because they were sort of just rehearsing and running through yeah, improv or whatever those right. songs you know mm-hmm. um which is just sort of interesting but i do think this this down disease like you said sort of has a little bit of what we'll come to see later on um jonathan wanted us to include a quote from Wax Banks, Wally, our friend and guest, former guest. Always welcome back, Wally. Um, he said about the down with disease, it's a paying off of Trey's year-long experiment with seemingly out of place flatted ninths and minor modes in the middle of soaring major chord jams. The last co- couple minutes of this version see the whole band get with him for some woolly, W-O-O-L-Y, Eastern modal fun, <laughs> which, um, you know, as Brad and I, I mean, Brad and I totally agree <laughs> with, with all of that, <laughs> but I do think it's like, it's, it's pretty out there at times, which is pretty cool to hear for 2009, right? A little bit of a uh, preview of what's to come.
they move on. Oh, I would say also from from the 18th, if you if you want to hear a, a well played 3.0 foam, this this is one of them, which is cool. I, I feel like they must have must have practiced it, but they move on to to Cincinnati for two nights, spread for a Friday Saturday humdinger in Cincinnati, as they as they call it down in Cincy. <laughs> yeah, um, they did. You, if you were if you were in Ohio, if either of us were in Ohio, we would have been at these shows, um, but we weren't. But I feel like they started to get a little bit more into the groove with with these two. Did you have any uh, any any highlights from the first show, the twentieth? We forgot to mention that you know before Festival Eight and those shows, September, the beginning of September, they released Joy. Good call. Um, and we're we're hearing a lot of these songs, uh, you know, in this run, the Joy songs. So, um, and for our little look back. Uh, we hear the first version of Time Turns Elastic, which is something we'll we'll talk more about. But um, we should. This this was the first time that I kind of heard this like ambient um, jamming that they seem to take through all these all these shows. Uh, they were groovy. Trey raged a lot. All those you know kind of things that you'd expect. But this ambient ambient jam really stuck out to me, and it's the first time I heard it in this show. Um, Jonathan mentioned was that in the, in the uh, was that ahead. in Jabu? Yeah, Jonathan mentioned that it's yeah. a gorgeous Jabu, and I think that's kind of where it stuck out for me.
I love the tweezer uh, into light. I thought that transition was wonderful. Um, and it was kind of soft and, and um, patient. Something we don't see a ton of. I mean, there's, you know, uh, I don't mean to make global statements, but um, these transitions I thought were really nice um, in this little run of shows as well. There was lots of nice flowy transitions between songs. So, all right, Brad, let's talk about Time Terms Elastic. It's time. Um, we we have to do it. And this, um, so first of all, Time Turns Elastic. Let's, let's, let's revisit this, okay? It was played first at Fenway. It, at May, May 31st, I was there, and, and I'm not sure why that matters, except that that's just what people say sometimes. Yeah, but what, what only your, played it. do you remember hearing it for the first time? Like, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any, you know, anything that no, sticks I've, out? I just know that, like, that Fenway show in general was a little bit strange for me because I was in the stands, and it was, the sound wasn't great. Like, this year at Fenway, I know they brought their own, you know, the PAs like they were doing on the lawns, but I, from what I understand, the sound at Fenway this time around in 2019 was, like, amazing, but it just, I felt a little disconnected from the show, and I don't really remember the Time Turns Elastic. I remember the tweezer, which was, which was really fun. Um, another kind of tweezer, Time Turns Elastic, um second set combo which is interesting yep or in in the same show but brad this so it's only been played 17 times and the last time was 2010 so clearly this is a this is a song that's been shelved i think almost the entire fish community is in kind of unanimity on something for once in support of this being shelved yeah yeah like nobody nobody wants it to come back but i kind of like I don't know. I hate to be that guy who likes fish, but listening <laughs> back to it, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is horrible. I mean, it's not horrible. I feel like it got a lot of flack. It's it got horrible. a lot of flack. It's, I mean, it's not amazing. It's very Trey. It's so Trey. Everyone, you know, yeah. looking, listening, going back and listening to it, uh, it's, it brought a smile to my face because it's clearly something from our boy. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Yeah. um, so much about it screams Trey uh, the lyrics the you know he talks about blowing wind and love and I think he even says like wrap your arms around the world you know what I mean like all the things that he loves to talk about he was doing it back then as he's doing yeah. it now um, and it's it, the music is not I, I was reading a review that said it was boring it's not boring you know it's it's a long composed song yeah the lyrics are a little yeah. cheesy, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think we love all that. At least I do. So, um, I, I don't. I don't have many complaints. I, I don't have complaints with it being shelved. I also don't have complaints going back and listening to it once in a show. I'm not gonna, you know, seek it out. I think. Um, yeah. Right. But yeah. Also, we mentioned. And yeah. and tell me about this. Your thoughts on this? But I immediately thought of Petrichor as well. And I, I saw your notes that you said the same thing. I mean, it's. I, I think it's Petrichor's, you know, older cousin who who <laughs> hasn't left his hometown or whatever you want to say. Yeah, <laughs> I think Petrichor is amazing, and I, I I tweet often about a few songs. One is Petrichor, one is Night Moves, and then there's a few others. But <laughs> the whenever I tweet about Petrichor, someone inevitably, like almost immediately, brings up Time Turns Elastic, and I don't. I yeah, they're like related, but I don't think they deserve to be put in the same category like i think petrichor is such a a cohesive beautiful piece of music you know lyrically and musically it's like it's a very it's a much more mature 
version but but also like the music itself is in petrichor i think is really powerful and beautiful so i feel like i think it's a mature tray too if we're going back to you know what i mean petrichor is completely 100 percent tray as well yeah yeah well that's um i mean maybe that's just you know the evolution and then you know it seems like over the past couple years you know he's gotten more into like a little bit more groovy songwriting with with soul planet and set your soul free and songs like that but these were this this Time Turns Elastic was an early 3.0, um, you know, version, and and the Petrichor is the later one. But I don't think you, I don't think you listeners should be putting them in the same category because I think Petrichor is a masterpiece, and I think Time Turns Elastic is just like a little bit more um, disjointed. Although I think the, like the, orchestral performances and stuff, like that's probably pretty perfect. You know, it's kind of what um, it's kind of what he envisions. I think when he writes these. Yeah, you know. yeah, exactly, exactly. So they can play a Petrichor at any show, um, but let, let's go to the next night. Okay, so 21st, still in Cincy, Saturday night, Saturday night special, as, as our friend Patrick would say. <laughs> um, but again, like kind of continuing this this momentum to build, which I, I really do see this like 12 or 13 shows as like building a momentum toward this peak in Albany. But um were there any jams in this in the second night of Cincy that you really liked? You know, I, I think I, I mentioned that we didn't hear much in the 18th. I think that we're starting to hear jams pretty consistently, a kind of a theme from Trey as well. Uh, the melt I thought was um, incredible. Again, with these with these long set lists, we get a lot of songs that we don't get as much now, like a ginseng or an Albuquerque, right, or a mm-hmm. first set melt um i think it was first set right and um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh you know I don't, to me uh, one of the things you asked me what stuck out i think ocelot stuck out to me because i haven't i forgot how much i love these early oh nine ten ocelots when they were new and fresh and um not only that languid song that i really love kind of a, a mm-hmm. break but it's a, a 10 or 11 minute break uh uh, uh that peaks at the end um, and, and Trey kind of steps on it at the end. Um, so uh, uh, going back and, and listening to an old Ocelot was, was fun for me. Nice. Yeah. That um, that's interesting. And Jonathan said the same thing in his notes and he um, also called the split open and melt a weirdo monster, which I agree with. Um, I think that it's pretty out there for a, for a late 2009 version and, to me, like these, and we've talked about this before, like we, when you hear something like a split open and melt getting out, like getting out crazy out in the, in the, you know, ether, that's a, that's a good, that's a good sign that they're feeling comfortable and, and kind of feeling like they can spread it out, you know? Yeah.
torn and frayed. I just, I really wish that they would bring this back because I, I really love it. I think yeah. it's just a, I feel like it's just a nice cover that, uh, you know, it's got a good feel. I mean, obviously it's a classic song, but out of all those songs on Exile, it's one of my favorites and I wish they would bring it back. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's yeah. it's right off the back end of of uh, Festival 8. Stuff was still kind of fresh and, and they really, it's great cover, great cover. Yeah. So bring it back, guys. Torn and Frayed. Last time played SPAC 2012, so it's time. All right. So, Brad, I think this uh, this second set, the the rock and roll and a ghost, and if I could, I think I've said this before, but, like, I love those drops after jams into, like, a nice ballad. Sure. Um, and if I could is just... It's just not played that much anymore, and uh, I I wish that they would kind of drop into it more frequently. We almost cause... get Mountains of the Mist more, which is crazy if you mm-hmm. think about. Yeah, yeah, you're getting like one. Actually, the if I could wasn't played between um, seven twenty nine two thousand fourteen until um, November second two thousand eighteen, which was the day after I left Vegas. So I still haven't seen if I could since Polaris ninety eight. Oh which wow, is crazy. Yeah, but um. Yeah, they can. They can. Now that I've seen Mountains in the Mist, they can go ahead and play. Let's if go I could. back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, at a show I'm at. Um, did you Did you like those the the rock and roll ghosts? Like, did any of the jams stand out, or did they sound kind of standard based on what you what you know about this era? No, I thought the ghost was a little up tempo. Um, I thought it was it was cool that it started pretty hot, uh, mm-hmm. kind of disjointed, but it started hot, and then. Um, uh, the groove at the end that turned into a jam was was pretty fire, um, and and Trey was kind of ragey, and he's kind of ragey throughout some of these shows. It's like there's you hear some young Trey almost um, peeking through in these in these shows. Which think about ten years is a long time ago, but you know nothing like ninety two or ninety three, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's then and, and like you said, in Ocelot, even there, there's there's some of that as well, mm-hmm. which is cool. What about you? Um, yeah, I like I really liked the rock and roll. The rock and roll was really funky. It was it was it had a lot of I think like a lot of good segments. It felt like they were there was there wasn't a lot of rushing through these jams in some of these shows. I mean some of them there were, but like this 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 jam particularly and the split open and melt, both from this show felt like they were getting a sense of patience. Yeah, they and, and this rock and roll has a, some of that amb- ambience that you were talking about earlier. Right, that's what I was just gonna say that they, they call it a Cincy jam, I think, on Live Fish, but um that end of that rock and roll jam was really slow and quiet and soft um, and led to a nice beginning to that ghost. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty cool segment and the the rest of it was sort of, you know, standard, but I think a good like two night run to, uh, to wrap up that little run in Cincy. So we're going to, we're going to move on to Syracuse, but first I want to just say a quick word about our sponsor circle. Um, Brad and I have talked about this last time. Brad and I both have problems when we tell our kids five more minutes because uh, it just sometimes ends up being five more hours, at least for me. Right. So you, you can you can use Circle to set limits and end screen time debates with your kids once and for all. I actually I use I use timers a lot with my kids and with my older one and it, it actually works so with all the things going on and all the distractions you can actually try to kind of manage this stuff with circle it's the easiest way to manage your family's online time across all their connected devices inside and outside the home so circle home plus and the circle app 
as parents, you can filter what content is allowed, set limits for screen time, monitor history and usage, and you can keep track across all your devices. And each family member has a profile that's customizable to their needs and age, because you probably don't want your five-year-old watching the same things as your 10-year-old. Maybe you do. And if you do, that's cool. But if you don't, you can use you can use Circle to help address that. So right now, our listeners get $30 off a of Circle Home Plus when you visit meetcircle.com slash hfpod and enter hfpod at checkout. So, Brad, you can get $30 off when you visit meetcircle.com slash hfpod and enter hfpod at checkout. Thank you. So check it out. You'll never stop worrying about your kids, but with Circle, you'll have one last thing to worry about. Do it. All right. So my kids are safe, and I'm heading to Syracuse for a Sunday night show. One-off one off Sunday night show in Syracuse. Yeah. Um, weird. It's a little bit little bit weird, but, you know, good good for them for kind of scheduling that, you know, in the rooting. They could have taken a couple of days off and just gone straight on to, to Philly. But I think this is a pretty overlooked show, uh, sort of lower rated on Fish.net, I, a show that I rarely go back to, if ever. Uh, I'm sure I, we would listen to it like, you know, the day after it came right. out, but I'm not sure I've ever gone back to it. But I was, I thought it was, I thought there was some good, uh, good points in this. And there's a lot of kind of hometown banter and stuff for Fishman, uh, being from Syracuse, uh, throughout the whole show. But, um, I thought the set, um, one closer stash was, was really good. And again, like kind of demonstrates this kind of patience that was developing in late 09.
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. There's a lot of banter in all these, um, and it it kind of shows they're comfortable, they're having fun, uh, they're back together, you know? Um, yeah. And that's... Uh, it's fun to hear that kind of stuff. We don't, you know, you don't get to hear it all the time, but. And, and you know that like, just based on recent Trey interviews that he's like that, I mean, we've always known that the humor and the joking and the banter and all that is like so important to, to the band. But I feel like a lot of his recent interviews, including what he, what he told us for after midnight, like it's just such a big part of how they relayed and communicate with with them with each other and with the fans you know sure um the second set opener drowned reminds me of a rock and roll they kind of in the same category for me uh, just you know the, mm-hmm. the covers and the and the kind of classic rock kind of uh that they that they can take deep they took both of them deep and this drowned is really nice um really cool what what's st- what's that for you yeah the the drowned is is really great i mean i think the drowned has like this i don't know there's there's it's like lots of different grooves and funky segments. And, and I always notice in some of these jams page on the piano sort of leading jams when Trey starts to hang back a little bit. And I think there's, there's a little bit of that here that I think is just like really, really great, great jamming. For me, I thought the twist and Piper, I talk about it a lot, but I love twist and Piper combined. I think they belong together. And this is one of the examples, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the yeah. Piper feeds off that uh, uh, twist, I think before it, and I, th- I thought this Piper is, the, I think, the, the highlight of the show for me. It's just an insane ending. You know, you think they're going to back off at some point, and they don't. Um, it's, it's really fun to, to listen to Trey kind of push it forward and everybody catches up. You have talked about that a lot. I know you love that combo. And I think 25 or so times that that's been combined. Nice. Which is a lot for a couple songs to be, I mean, combined, you know, directly before right, or after. Right. So. Um, and those are usually usually pretty pretty good pretty good ideas I think you know so so good for them keep doing it <laughs> keep it up I feel like when they when they first came out they were they were sort of different they were complimentary songs like you wouldn't if you got a big like Piper at a show you wouldn't necessarily get a twist or vice versa but um, except for that show that we were both at um, twelve six ninety seven with the Tweezer into Isabella into Twist into Piper, yeah. which is man. Maybe that's what solidified that in your right, brain. Exactly. I think that's what that's why I, I think the way I do. Moving on from Fishman's hometown, got a lot of a lot of shout outs. Um, big black furry creature. Yeah, probably from the Mars longest had, right ever. There's like a nine yeah. minute big black furry creature from. <laughs> yeah, and a first tube set to closer, which is always always a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, all let's right, go to so. Philly. Let's go. We're going. So they, they take take a day off Tuesday night, Tuesday night of Thanksgiving, the, the Wachovia Center, which became the Wells Fargo Center, um, which is still where the, the Flyers and, and Sixers play. Yeah, but, it's um, relatively newish, especially in 09. Yeah. So two nights there. And what did you think of this first show? I thought the Chalk Dust opener was was pretty blazing hot it's it felt like they were kind of in they were they were in the groove and and ready to go yeah i mean i think this to me is the highlight of this run and it may just be the set list um 
but it's got everything. It's this these both these sets are full of amazing songs that I'd always want to hear. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all it's just one night on a Tuesday. It's it's really awesome. But yeah, the the chalk dust, the bathtub in the first set, I thought was just an incredible start. These were the two. These two were the last indoor fish shows in the city of Philadelphia. Um, wow. Which I think that streak will be broken this December third for the SiriusXM um, show, which will be at the at the Met in Philly, right? Yeah. That's that's so crazy. That's my. I complain about yeah. them not coming out here, but they haven't been to an indoor show in Philly for ten years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, Camden and the Man, and you know, they're they're and they're and they're playing, you know, they're playing around there. But and I don't know if anyone from Philly minds, but if you do, let us know, or just go to that show on the third because it'll be super easy to get tickets. So don't worry. <laughs> they're about They're everywhere. It. <laughs> just show up and you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> I really like this whole first set. I think for me, like the curtain with. The Wedge, and Reba, A Bathtub Gin, Chalk Dust, Cities, Camel Walk. Like, there's almost, and even MoMA and Golgi and Stealing Time, like, those are all fine songs, too. This is, like, a great, it's a great-looking first set on paper for someone like me. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's, I think, what I was trying to say was um, a MoMA dance is a, is a dance party in the in the first set. The Stealing Time's new, and it's a raucous closer uh, mm-hmm. with also, you know, you could, you could, um, you could switch stealing time and chalk dust. You know what I mean? Like it, it's yeah. it's such it's just just a well rounded, solid first yeah. set. You know, I think Santos is the new stealing time. That's my that's my new theory that I just developed nice. right now. Um, the the second second set, uh, the Down with Disease jam is is really 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 good, and they they kind of really do again like out there um really good different sections um and eventually gets kind of spacey and and ambient and and segues into 20 years later
but there's like a mid set to Harry Hood and a Mike's Groove. Pretty good. I like it. Yeah, the, it's a Mike's Simple uh, Slave Groove, which is incredible. Mango song, everybody kind of chases that, even if they've seen it before. You know, really the 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 thing that sticks out to me is that they didn't finish the Down with Disease. Just, I mean, come on. I'm yeah. just kidding. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> they always, you gotta... It's funny right. that it's even noted. Right. Like, when do they finish Down with Disease? The last time they finished it was like 94. Yeah, I think it was on the MTV um, video. I think the last time. <laughs> last finished Down with Disease. <laughs> um, the, the, the week of Pog is notable and, and maybe well known from this show because they, they started and then they go into the jam and then... then they slow down the tempo and then they play a more funky version. And then, you know, there's like some week of pog, um, you know, antics going on there, which is, which is cool and a good way to, to end the show. And the, the next night, um, I found this really surprising. Cause again, going back as sort of trying to remove myself a little bit from this, um, from what I thought about these shows before, but the next night, the second night in Philly on fish.net has a two point, what is it? 2.7 rating out of five. And, <laughs> I thought that was like, I mean, you know, this is uh, there, there are reasons I think for that, but I thought some of these jams in here were were really solid. But yeah. did you, if you hadn't known the two point seven rating, would you after listening to this, would you have been like, oh yeah, I'd give that a two point seven? No, no way. And in fact, if I would have known, I would have said I would have given it like a four point six or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> just to just to mess with the man, yeah, yeah, you know, or, or the the not the man. No, it's I mean, Kill Devil Falls is new. I thought it was just raging. Uh, Sugar Shack, you know, Haley's in the Divided Sky. I mean, come on. All these things are great. That new uh, 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 Young Ocelot. Um, in, in the, <laughs> young Ocelot. That's right. <laughs> so adorable. <laughs> um, the opener, The Birds of the Second Set, I thought was amazing. I thought it was a great jam. I agree. I thought the ver- the Birds jam, I mean, the, the first set is like, you know, it's fine. But I, I think the Haley's Divided Sky is a cool combo. Um, bringing back, you know, like i don't know i don't know i don't really see a lot of problems with this but um sleep again um was was this is the only the the second time played which is cool to hear so i think um I, maybe this is like you know we've had a lot of conversations about this with the fish net ratings like is it is it that at the time people you know rated this in in like lower or is it that people are going back and like saying like eh this show sucks two stars two stars two stars i don't know but Maybe they think me, that like, like two point five is average. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're like, oh, yeah. it's like a little bit above average. <laughs> I mean, it's probably good that people like me aren't in charge because I just I think most things are probably better than most people do. So it's, I'll just like stay out of it. <laughs> um, but the 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 birds of a feather jam is really really cool and really Mike and Paige kind of driving it and and they do they do notably finish birds of a feather, which is very important.
into the like farmhouse, which I, for some reason to me felt like so appropriate. It was like, I just really liked it. And the birds jam, I, I wouldn't have known if you'd said that was like a late 2012, 2013 jam. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then the farmhouse and a tweezer, um, which again, like another good, probably slightly underrated 2009 tweezer, but, um, you know, YM in the middle of a, of a second set is cool. It might feel like a little bit of like a man. I wish this was at the end, you know, yeah, a little um, weird. Yeah. 20, 20 minutes or something of, and then you get another 20 minute there before tweezer reprise with Brad's favorite, yeah. <laughs> Brad's favorite time turns elastic. <laughs> so I wonder if that is like, even just people looking at the set list, like being like, eh, time turns elastic. That's 20 minutes. I can't get back. Like I'm, I'm reading the show lower. I don't know, but it's, it was, it was heavily in rotation, you know, in 2009. And, uh, I feel like people were, I feel like people were angry about it and that's not cool. You skipped over Esther though. I mean, that's like the highlight of that YEM Esther time turned elastic <laughs> run, right? Good point. Good <laughs> that's point. Like, yeah. No, that, but looking back, beautiful. they played, oh, it's incredible. I'm still chasing it. And they played it five, four times in 09 and they've played it five times since. So, um, they were clearly, I don't know if they'd practiced it for Hampton or, you know, revisited, but they, it was fresh in 09 and, and it's, it's not anymore. And you've never seen it? I don't think so. Not that I can recall. Yeah. I've seen three last was well 2017, but before that was 2010 and then once in 98 at Virginia beach. So yeah, I, I didn't go to that Virginia we, beach show. Yeah. You need to get, Brad needs his Esther, whoever's listening. Um, all right. So, so Brad, we go on to the three final shows of this, this leg, uh, the leading up to what I think anyone would consider the peak of the tour, the the second night of Albany, but the first night. So I went to the, these two Albany shows and the Portland show. And, um, I took my brother-in-law, That's uh, right. who, you know, yeah. and he is, he loves music. He's a music fan. And he, um, he lived near there about an hour, hour away and we spent Thanksgiving there and then I convinced him to come to the show with me and he uh he had a really good time first of all and that was kind of cool just being like taking someone to something that you're like eh, maybe this maybe this is not going to be that enjoyable or I'm going to feel like a jerk for taking someone to a show they're not going to enjoy but turns out like jamming and having fun at a rock show is not that hard right <laughs> right <laughs> but um they played on your way down obviously um in this well not obviously if you look at the the set list you'll know and um that's a that's a little feet song and um my my brother-in-law is a huge little feet fan um well i guess it's a it's an alan toussaint song but little feet covered it and it's right. sort of like well right. known but you know, as a little feet song and Paige does a lot of singing in that song. And after that song, he, first of all, he was, he knew what it was right away and was super psyched. And he was like, I'll never forget what he said, which was, why don't they just let the piano players sing every song? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was, that's the most notable memory from this, this show. There's a lot, a lot of songs again, 20, 24 sh- songs, I think total, which is a lot of songs. Um, especially, you know, 12 song first set is seems normal but a you know 11 12 song second set is a lot is, is it seems like that was a little bit of a pattern though even um throughout these shows yeah and um the my friend my friend into golden age i think um deserves some attention as well it's a great second set opener and then it's the debut of of that tv on the radio cover that's really become a, a favorite i think I, I love hearing it um oh yeah so man. wow right and then kind of amazing that that 
that is one of the, like the big i mean like there's energy by apples and stereo right it was kind of the other like yeah kind of kind recent of follow, right, new right. but like it's definitely been chill sort of gone right away. yeah yeah golden age continues to deliver amazing jams um that's cool don't um, forget the timber as well there this again you're, you're getting a lot of songs so you get these kind of songs that really stick out to me on, on setless uh, and timber was the one that stuck out to me in the first set yeah and i think there's um that's a good point and there's there's sort of a, an interesting thing that we haven't really touched on is like the the songs that were still being brought back um at this point in 2009 so i think this was yeah this was the first and only performance of two versions of me in 3.0 um there were a lot of songs that were kind of being brought back still at this point and you know, not like obviously not down with disease or, or songs like that, but there were like there were songs that hadn't been played in a while that people were happy to hear. Timber, this was only the second time played since they came back. So people were kind of getting reoriented with some of their favorites live, which I think is a kind of a cool and under underrated part of this tour. You know, you're hearing these songs again and maybe we thought we'd never hear them again. Which we hadn't really talked about. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, right. This is they had a pretty pretty substantial summer tour though. Um so but those are all outdoor venues, and this is kind of the return of what Fish was to me before um, the five-year hiatus, which was like indoor, cooler weather, fall shows, before Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving, you know, just kind of that time of the year. Yeah. And it's um, this was it. And and you, you yeah. to me, it wasn't really solidified. One of the reasons I actually didn't travel out east for it is because I wasn't sure, you know what I mean? I just still wasn't completely sold that it was something I was going to dive back into all the way, I guess. Um, yep. And I, um, I was wrong. Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out we dove back in. And then a couple of years later, we created a podcast yeah. about all of our favorite fish. All right. So we'll move on to the second night of Albany. Brad, for me, this second set, this is when I knew fish was back and I was, I, I'll never forget this, this second set, one of the most enduring fish memories I have. But, um, before we get there, was there anything in the first set that stood out to you that would like set this up or, or, uh, no, yeah, I guess I'll you know, I, I mean, another foam was played, uh, a split open and melt in the first set as well. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, stuff that, um, we're not accustomed to anymore, I guess, or whatever. Um, I, I miss Alaska. I do like that song. Yeah. But I also like us a lot. So you can say what you will about me, but <laughs> look, this is, oh, I will. The, second, <laughs> the second set is, uh, 45 ish minutes. The first two songs. I mean, this is kind of back to what, where we were, you know, late 1.0, um, and kind of, the fish that we all knew or loved or whatever you want to say, right. It, it's, it's back. Yep. And and I remember you specifically telling me, um, you know, I think they're back. Like, I don't know if you texted me or, or mm. sent me a letter in the, in the post, I, but, um, <laughs> I think I definitely sent you a letter in the post. Um, yeah, the first set was sort of like, you know, it was just sort of a, a lot of songs, kind of a, a little bit of a, meandering walk through the first set but the first vultures since 2004 so they continued to kind of bring back songs that hadn't been played in a while but so this the second set so i was on the floor and i was with a few friends and and my wife and the the seven below starts right and it's like cool seven below and then probably like i don't know seven minutes in it's like really really rocking like upbeat and and the fish.net uh, jam chart description is it's reminiscent of a mid-90s bathtub gin which i think is a good way to describe it 
And then like around 11 minutes, it feels to me like they're going into 2001, but then Trey kind of like redirects. And I'm wondering, listening back most recently, like it reminds me of the Ruby waves from Alpine and that like, were they purposefully like, we're not going to end this. We're going to keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then right after that, they around 12 minutes to get into this great chord progression from Trey, which just reminds me of like a classic rock song. And they're just, they're just jamming, but then it gets darker. And then around 20 minutes, there's just this glorious peak. And I think we should listen to this glorious peak right now so that you all don't miss it. Yes.
So, Brett, I remember the lights. I remember the celebrating. I remember, like, the joy inside the arena. I feel like it was, like, a very – between band and audience, I feel like everyone felt like this is, like, kind of a, a big moment. Um, and then the Ghost, of course, they, they went into, again, like you said, another 20 minutes. Um, there was some Cool It Down jamming in the Ghost, which I think was, you know – they played cool it down after but the between the seven below and the ghost after 45 minutes they just stopped it wasn't like the providence bowie where they stopped and like took a bow but it was like they just stopped for a second and and you can hear the crowd just like so happy and then playing cool it down was just a perfect way to 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 you know cap off that that three song part of the second song i was having um it's a little bit of a non sequitur but you're used to that with me rj um I was having the chicken and the egg discussion with my six-year-old this morning, you know, uh-huh. and it's <laughs> like the actual, yeah, yeah, like the actual, yeah, for sure. not like a metaphor, but no, like the actual we were chicken actually talking okay. about it. And, um, uh, but so I think you can apply that here. Did they, did they, you know, think about this, uh, before, right. And it, and, and it went in a, in a way that he was imagining Trey, right. The jam, or did this all come from him just kind of pushing it? Um, and, and it hadn't been discussed. Um, and I think people have that argument, I think with the, the Ruby waves and the, um, the Tahoe tweezer, right. Those sorts of Mm -hmm, things. mm -hmm. Um, this is one of those moments in fish. It's seminal, right? It's the first time I think of this whole year, they've been playing since March, uh, that you knew that this is, you know, this is what we come here for sort of thing. That's a really good good way to put it. And and you hear these, like we've talked about a bunch of these jams, the birds of a feather and the down with disease and the, you know, a lot of the jams we've talked about on this episode. And none of us really knew that it was leading up to this, like just wonderfully glorious um, second set. But this is, it actually, just to expand on what you just said, it kind of is perfectly encapsulates fish. It's like you go through these, you go to shows and like not all shows are as good as you want them to be or they don't play what you want. And then like, when you're least expecting it, they just fucking deliver. And then you're, then you're back, like you're back, just they fucking deliver. And then they, then they encore with you, enjoy myself. And it's just like, all right, fuck you guys. Yep. We're out of here. Um, any doubters can, can go fuck off, but they're just beautiful and glorious. And, um, they, they wrap up this, this holiday weekend. I got to go to Portland, Maine, my only show, fish show in Maine. Were you planning on going or was this like, holy shit, I gotta, I gotta catch the next one. You know, (laughs) that's a good point. We were planning on going, we had tickets, um, GA. So we had to go and and we had a nice time with friends in, in Portland, you know, it's a small place, right? 7,000 or so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I had never been in there before and such a like historic venue. And it was, it lived up to the hype in terms of being a beautiful place with nice energy, but not beautiful place for like getting beers or going to the bathroom but but i I really think this is a little bit of an overlooked show just because of the night before um they you know there's a really good segments in the second set but um and a a mike song to finish the first set i just don't think there's like a lot of recognition for this show um did you did you like it going back to it yeah i thought the mics was a highlight for sure but um i'd point out some of the bust outs i think and that's the nelly kane and the meat Crimes of the Mind has only been played once since then. It's only been played a handful of times total. Um, the Freebird, the the acapella Freebird. I mean, they don't do that anymore. Um, yeah, uh, that's probably you know lends to the arena or venue. But um, yeah, yeah, there was some. This is the, the I mentioned it. This is the night or a few nights before the three night run at at the Garden, which they weren't going to do for New Year's, and they went to Miami for four nights for New Year's. So. Um, 
to me, this was a nice kind of end to our recap in that it's a great show. There's some bust outs. Um, and December is kind of on its own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it felt like the end of a, of a run for sure. And um, I, the Crimes of the Mind, which I think is really fun, and they last played at uh, 2016 before that epic golden age in Vegas. And I saw the, the, I saw the last two versions before that, this one and then the one before that, which was in 2003. So nice. kind of cool. It's only been played eight times. I saw, that, and, I uh, saw the Vegas one with um, our friend Todd. Uh, the oh LP yeah, guru. and we—I mean, we were just kind of—you know there's one of those. We looked at each other, especially after that golden age. But yeah, I can't believe you got to see that show. That's so cool. Well, this this had it had some highlights, um, and we're gonna we're gonna actually maybe we should wrap up, and we will leave you with a jam from that uh, that Portland show, and, and send you off into the night. And uh, yeah, Brad, this is fun, man. This it's was fun good. To go back, and I think going back to what I said at the beginning, if you all like this format like let us know if you're like missing full sets let us know and uh we just want to hear from everybody so um give us a review on apple podcasts or follow us on spotify or just tell people that you like what we're doing because it's been now i think pretty much uh, officially six and a half years brad of us <laughs> doing this and i'm still i'm still having fun brad can you still have yeah fun? there's no quit there's no quit over here bro <laughs> All right, we're going to leave it there. We're going to be back in two weeks. Um, I think the next episode is probably going to be some kind of, you know, talking about talking about December tour, right? We got to do it. We got to do it. <laughs> I'm about to go actually two weeks from today when our next episode comes out. I'll be on my way to Pittsburgh to see the fish, um, but maybe we'll do a little quick hit wrap up of the Thanksgiving weekend shows. Awesome. So, um, yeah, everyone have fun out there, and thanks for joining. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, Arge. Talk to y'all later. Keep on rocking. With autumn closing in What's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week, I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.